Hello. Thank you for listening to The Torgo Show. If you like this episode and would like to show your support, please follow The Torgo Show on social media. Links will be in the description. episode i i can't believe i'm actually recording a podcast show it's something i contemplated for years but never never seriously considered it until i don't know i i was deciding between that and you know creating like a youtube channel which i still want to do through this show but I don't know. Ultimately, I just want to create a community of people and, you know, hopefully do some good, you know. Um, For those tuning in, I'm David, the host of The Torgo Show, and this is episode one. There are a lot of topics to cover for my very first episode, and I decided, decided to focus on a pretty personal topic, which would... Revolve, which revolves around politics as, as you know, politics has been a big part of our society and given the last couple of years, we've seen a dynamic shift in uh, people's personal beliefs and I want, it kind of made me want to talk about my experience growing up. Um, I'm a libertarian socialist, but I never was all, I was always never one, if that makes sense. <laughs> I said that pretty weird. Um, no, I grew up a conservative for, honestly, my entire childhood and teenage years. And I just, I over time, I changed my beliefs. I, you know, all that stuff. I just want to go more in depth. And to go more in depth, I have to talk a little bit, or a lot, about my childhood and... Talk about what made me reconsider different beliefs, you know. But anyway, um, my day's been going pretty good so far. Um, you know, woke up, I took my dog out for a walk. It's um, I look. It's actually where I live. It looks like it's about to snow right now. <laughs> um, in fact, the uh, forecast for I live in Oklahoma City. Um, the forecast is saying that there is a. Uh, 70 to 8% chance of snow today and tomorrow. So that's going to be fun. They're already salting the road, so that just... Um, we're for some fun weather, you know what I mean? <laughs> we're here for a good time. Um, my leg is also recovering, too. Um, yesterday, you know, I was playing with my dog, and all of a sudden... I, you know, she submitted, so, you know, I like to reward my, I like to reward my dog whenever, you know, she submits, because that's a good thing you do, that's a good thing to train your dog on, so that they're not always on the attack, and it's perfectly okay for them to submit, you know, it's a thing you definitely want to enforce for any aspiring dog owners, I guess, (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, as soon as I got up, I don't know what it was. I don't know if I got up too quickly, but I just pulled my leg and I could barely move for like half a day. I literally, I had to go around in my chair. Um, a, a neighbor donated her cane to me, so that was especially nice of her. Right? That's how I've been able to sort of go around. It was painful. I, I could not move anywhere without um, at least a cane. Otherwise, I would just be hopping on my left leg, and my le my leg was already getting tired for having to carry... <laughs> carry my entire body so much. I'm not exactly the smallest guy in the world. <laughs> so you can imagine that was fun. Um, it still is fun. I, I can walk better without it, but, you know, still... It sucks. <laughs> um, Alright, so... Conservatism. There are many different political parties, not just in the United States, but around the world. And to understand what, and this, and what I'm talking about specifically is American conservatism. But to understand, to learn about how to not become a conservative, the important thing to ask is, what do conservatives stand for? If you look up the definition for conservatism, um, Webster's Dictionary defines it. I'm going to paraphrase this. I don't actually have it up. Um, basically, it's when you want to protect the status quo. Now, think about being in the United States, right? What does protecting the status quo mean? It means keeping things the way that they are in order to achieve the best results. And... String from the norm will devolve into chaos and all that fun stuff. So the important thing is, is what motivates a conservative? I can recall from when I was growing, growing up, um, so both my parents, I was a Navy brat. Uh, my parents were naval officers and so I was kind of brought up a certain kind of way. I guess you could say um, my parents were collectivists. If you could, you can make that argument since collectivism does include um, the military-industrial complex, which is also known as militarism. Um, I can get more into that topic later, but it may, um, so that being said, they were huge Reagan supporters. In fact, um, my mom has a picture of her shaking hands with Ronald Reagan when she was in the Naval Academy. Um, that tells you, like, they were, very much, they were very much prominent during the age of Reagan, which essentially is what encouraged neoliberalism and neoconservatism. Um, like, the, believe it or not, a lot of um, centrists supported Reagan back in the day, and that moved a lot of, you know, people who were uncertain of what political affiliation they were to move over to the Republican side. So the reason why I'm bringing that up is that leads to, well, that leads to a couple things. So there was an act before Reagan assumed office called the Fairness Doctrine Act. And basically what that did was that, that made it mandatory that for any news show that they would have both parties speak and give them equal and fair treatment. So pretty much you could make the army they act as like as a uh, moderator of shorts to ensure that both people got their sides. So 
There's a really great documentary I highly recommend watching called um, They Brainwashed My Dad. It's a, it's a really good one. Um, I think um, Matthew Modine, the guy who played Private Joker in Full Metal Jacket, is the narrator. And it cover, it's about this woman who, um, you know, she grew up in the 60s during the hippie era, and her dad was, you know, Democrat. He was... Um, he, he loved everybody. He supported people. He kind of reportedly got into the uh, hippie culture a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you know, conservative media became prominent. We had Rush Limbaugh. We have um, it's a guy, uh, Bob Larson. Bob Larson, I think his name was. Um, and just these, you know, it's the rise of Fox News on top of that. And over time, her dad... Um, just became angrier and bitter and pretty much support was, you know, anti-immigration, I would say. And he was just saying and believing these uh, these talking points and rhetoric that he never once considered before the rise of conservative media in America. And moving back to now, in the Fairness Doctrine, um, Ronald Reagan remove that act and so as a result that allowed um rupert murdoch who owned a lot of um sensationalist tabloids let's just say was able to acquire the rights to creating a you know a news organization for conservatives and that's what that's what led to fox news um so the thing about Fox News and conservative media in general, what motive, and getting back to my point on what motivates conservatives, um, fear. Fear that if they don't keep the status quo, that ultimately society will crumble and, you know, everything's going to be fucked. It's just, that's just what they think. And it's, things are never well. There's no such moment where things are okay. You're always on guard from, you know, people that, you automatically consider to be the enemy. So that includes liberals, leftists. Um, it could be, you know, non-Christians. It, it depends. Um, the point is they have to create a straw man out of whatever they consider to be a problem in society. And most of it is things they do not understand. It, because for the most part, being a conservative does not encourage learning about different things you never once considered. It's all about, you know, this is the way things are. We have to keep it that way. And no ifs, ands, or buts. And for anyone who wants to deviate from the norm, they are automatically um, the enemy. So that being said, my upbringing, where I come from... Um, so my family moved around every couple of years. I was born in Louisiana. And my, because my, my dad's an electrical engineer and he would move every couple of years to all sorts of different places. Um, we moved to Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Colorado, Alaska, Minnesota, South Carolina, which I consider South Carolina to be my home state because I lived there the longest and... You know they're, they're you know they're they're still together. My dad does work um they, in another place, but ultimately you know they're working on plans to retire soon. So 
eventually they're just going to move and, you know, stay somewhere permanently, which, man, that was just my entire life. They've been doing nothing but, well, my dad's been mostly the one working. My mom would stay at home, you know, taking care of um, me, my sister, who was diagnosed when she was two years old, um, with, with diagnosed with autism when she was two years old. <laughs> and, um, fun fact, I actually didn't find out I was diagnosed with autism. I didn't have, I didn't know I had autism until last year, actually. Um, yeah, I was still in the U.S. Army. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed I had, um, something was off about me and I got myself checked and then, you know, over time, I was diagnosed, so, anyway, um, that's a very off topic, that could be a discussion for another time, I guess, but, um, so, I was, growing up, um, my family were, are pretty religious, um, they are Christian, so, re the Bible, and God, and, you know, Christianity, essentially, was brought up on, upon me by the time I was, um, I want to say four or five, um, I went to, I, re I remember my first uh, church, uh, Catholic Mass at four. I was actually a bit of a hellion. I would, um, I remember my first day, and I remember this vividly. Um, you know, I'm dressed nice. I didn't know why I was dressed nice. And we had to, we had the church, right? And, it, you know, it's a relatively big church. I remember thinking that God was hanging out in the attic somewhere. And I thought that the, uh, um, the priests and the, um, I guess the altar boys would, you know, every time they go out, they would just talk to God hanging down in the attic, and that's how they come back and come up with stuff. I don't know. That's just what I thought at first. And then um, I also tried dancing in the middle of the church whenever they were doing tithes and offerings. I remember my, my mom was just like, David, no, I just, just grabbed my arm and just pulled me back into, uh, <laughs> into behaving. And I also remember being vocally upset at the fact that I didn't get cookies and juice. I didn't know that was communion. I, I, I was like, I want the cookie. And I was just mad about it for, I think, a couple days until I realized, oh, that's, that's not a cookie. Not a cookie whatsoever. <laughs> um, story time, yay. Anyway, um, so I was also homeschooled. Um, which um, I'm kind of mixed about. On one hand, I'm very thankful that I learned how to properly read and, you know, read properly and how to narrate what you've read efficiently and to make sure that, you know, especially the understanding different things, you have to learn, have as much context for the source material as you possibly can so that you can make a, an educated, you know, opinion. On something on the other so that's a good thing I was able to learn all about all sorts of subjects that most kids my age wouldn't have but then on the flip side unfortunately I also didn't really have a lot of social interactions I never was really taught it was just expected that I know like how to handle myself socially when I really didn't and it takes me years even to this day it takes me years to um figure out where I'm coming from and who I am and how to approach situations. And again, you know, therapy, mental health, if you can, if you have access to it, definitely please pursue it. Even if you're doing fine, it, it doesn't hurt to do it. Um, 
You never know. It's good to have. Uh, it's good to talk things out. That's why I do this show. Um, so getting back to the point, um, I remember my parents vividly listening to Rush Limbaugh, and you know, to be fair, they wouldn't just watch Fox News. They did switch between, you know. They like to call it the liberal media, which, I mean, they're not wrong, more like centrist, but whatever. Um, you know, they'll switch over to CNN, MSNBC, and then over to Fox, which, again, they would still take Fox's opinion over theirs, or Fox's reporting over theirs. But they did think, I guess, you know, they did make the attempt to listen to what the other side is. But, you know, that just reminds me, like, if, and... This is just in general, like if you if you want to make a fair and honest assert or you know, if you want to be fair and balanced, as Fox News likes to put it, wouldn't you like to be neutral to both, and then over time, or at least once you have more context between the stories, you can make your own guess on you know which which makes more sense. I mean, if you're just going to end up taking Fox's side, are you really making that much of an effort, especially since Fox is known for we all know Fox is known for questionable reporting. But anyway, um, so as I was saying, my parents listened to a lot of Fox News and Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh, I remember vividly. Um, I was like four or five or six, and I remember hearing his voice, and I never thought, I didn't find him interesting. He didn't seem like the kind of thing that I would care about at, you know, five or six. It was just, I remember that theme he had, I don't know, some song, I don't remember, I don't know what it's called, if you know it, you know it, um, what, what, it sounds something like that, I don't know, um, maybe it was The Pretenders, I think, I think it might be The Pretenders, some, I don't know, whatever, um, another good band, The Pretenders, so, I never was exposed to what, you know, people who aren't right-leaning say. It was mostly I only had the conservative perspective to the world. Um, granted, by the time the internet was available, I was still able to access, you know, all sorts of information. But, you know, still stuck with Fox News, still saw, you know, a lot of the stuff they were saying. Um... Still had, you know, it wasn't just Rush Limbaugh. I remember, like, when I moved to Minnesota, I was, like, I want to say 11, 12, 13. I was approaching my teen years, and that was when I started listening to, really started listening to Rush Limbaugh. I was paying attention to what he was saying, and me, not knowing any better, thought that he was, you know, a really good dude. And, you know, he's really, really cares about the American people. And that's the thing about a lot of these... Uh, talk show host like what Rush Limbaugh did back in the day was he sounded confident even when he was absolutely wrong about subjects and he was very wrong about subjects in fact um in fact I guess while I'm going on I could pull out some of the bullshit he said to give you context on um just how just how crazy and how not only misinformed this guy was but just how even if you were an expert you know um even if you were an expert in these fields that Rush Limbaugh talks about, as if he, you know, is an expert, and then all of a sudden you still find yourself hitting the books again because you want to make sure, because you just doubt yourself just by talking to people like that. He's just so, he was just so confident about his shit. 
Um, but yeah, that guy had notorious a notorious amount of controversy. And um, well, for one thing, he did promote a lot of pseudoscience. Um, so he obviously thought that global warming was bullshit. And they actually told a caller who asked him um, whether his belief in God told him that global warming was a hoax and then rushed at it as, Righteous intellectually cannot accept the fact that a loving God, which has created all this beauty and has blessed this country, I cannot believe that a God like that would punish the human being he created for progress, for improving the quality of his life, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, which... Again, it's just kind of funny that this his answer pretty much was, oh, you know, we don't know, so therefore God, or like, you know, really, you must be wrong, because there's no way God would do that. Or, you know, um, he also supported a lot of uh, creationism, too. He didn't speak regularly about his belief in evolution or stuff like that, but he did try to blow off, uh, blow off fossil findings and, you know, denounce evolution as pretty much bullshit. And I think at one point, I, I, I'll have to look this up at some point if ever, anyone's curious, but I do recall Rush Limbaugh um, exposing, you know, an explicit belief in creationism at some point. Um, in, his, in his opinion, evolution cannot happen because gorillas and other animals and zoos do not become human. So I was exposed to stuff like that. There was a lot of bullshit I said, he said also. Um, he used to call pe soldiers who... Did not who spoke out against the war, who also served in you know the Iraq War and spoke out against it. He called them phony soldiers, which I do also recall very vividly. Um, that definition expanded to you know um, John Kerry, Jack Murtha, who were critical of the Iraq War. There's there's also a lot of stupid shit too. Like I think he accused Michael J. Fox of faking um, Parkinson disease and just all sorts of shit. He he was also incredibly racist too. He made a um, he made races and imitations of you know Chinese people, which you can imagine what he did. Um, he was forced to apologize by the Asian community. It was yeah, he does he did stuff like that. Um, he also thought that um, if one person receives taxpayer paid birth control, their sexual act should be posted online for everyone to see. He also defended the Lord's Resistance Army, which was a which is a brutal fucking Christian cult in uh, I think in northern Uganda and parts of Sudan. Yeah, they're um, if you remember the Kony 2012 stuff, this is what uh, West Limbaugh supported. There's a like a bunch of other shit, but my and you could easily look them up. There's I think if you go on the Wikipedia page for Rush Limbaugh, you're gonna have like an entire page de dedicated to. All of his insane, fucking dumb controversies. I mean, that's the thing, too. It's... The stuff he's saying... Is, is, it was extremely... The stuff he said was extremely stupid. It's it, it just flat out wrong. And yet, you know, at the same time... He tried to portray as, oh, I'm just speaking the facts. You know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not posting an agenda. I'm just speaking the facts. And it's like, you aren't, though. You, you never were. You were just pushing a narrative for so that Republicans could, you know, have a better foothold because, let's just be honest, they're not popular. They've not been popular for quite some time. I'd argue they probably haven't been popular since um, fucking either Lincoln or probably 
probably Teddy Roosevelt. And even then, the Republican Party back then is not the Republican Party of today. They changed, you know. Um, but yeah, this is the kind of stuff I was surrounded with, you know, Rush Limbaugh, Fox News. And I didn't really listen to Fox. I didn't really watch Fox News until I moved to South Carolina. But I got swallowed up into their bullshit, too. And again, I was scared for things I normally didn't care about. Like, did I care about, like, the fact that, oh, illegal immigration, illegal immigrants are crossing the border? No, I didn't care about that until I heard it from Rush Limbaugh and others, like Laura Ingram, Michael Savage, like people like that, Neil Bortz. Or Neil Bortz, 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 whatever. Bortz, 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 Bortz. But that's the kind of stuff I was surrounded constantly. And not only that, but also um, I, ha I listened to a lot of uh, Focus on the Family, which they like to promote conservatism also. They're, they're, they're a Christian cult that was founded by a guy named the Dr. James Jobson who once thought that if you if you don't want your kids to turn out gay, you have to show them your penis in the shower. If, you know, a guy in that case cuz you know they don't they don't think they think that uh gender and sex are, you know, oh, if you're a man, you're a man, you're a woman, you're, you know, those kind of that kind of people who would who would do anything to discriminate against uh marginalized groups just so they can have their way um but yeah that was the kind of shit that i was exposed to growing up and the 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 the, the point is how did i go from that to becoming a leftist it's quite simple um even when i was a conservative i still had doubts about some of the stuff that i was being taught I thought it just sounded too coincidental. Like, yeah, it's always... When, when I first heard of them, when I first heard about, like, you know, the leftist conspiracy theories that they were wanting to destroy America, and, you know, Fox News refused to tell the difference between, conser between liberals and leftists. They just saw them as the same. So I thought that was kind of odd, the fact that that's all they talked about. There was never, oh, it's going to go away. And... I think around 2008-2009 was when I started to see a lot of the bullshit from conservative media. What do I mean by that? Does anyone know what happened in 2008? Barack Obama happened. He became our president. And I remember very vividly that when he was running for office, a lot of... Well, conservative conservatives were just going crazy about this guy. They were saying he was a Marxist-Leninist. He was, you know, this and that. He was a leftist. He was like an Afro-Leninist. He was Muslim. Just all this. He wasn't born in this country. Like, all this nonsense that we still heard from... Even to this day, we still hear, like, a lot of Obama. But, yeah, that, that run, they Fox News did everything they can to make... Obama looked like the most evil, the Antichrist, essentially. And, well, Obama was elected, and they said that things would get bad. They said that, oh, he's going to force communism on everybody. They, they emphasized that, yeah, he's going to force Marxism on everybody, and, you know, he's going to allow the leftists to take over and turn everything into a socialist utopia, which... Obama's a fucking Democrat. They are not leftists. So knowing that now, it's just fucking hilarious. But then things seem fine. 
you know, I'd hear Fox News, I'd hear Rush Limbaugh, I'd hear all those pundits talk about how things are going bad because of Obama. Then I go outside and see, you know what, things really aren't. You know, nothing's chaotic. There's no martial law. There's no, you know, troops on the street trying to force people to comply as the, as, you know, conservative media tried to make it appear that was going to happen, you know. <laughs> yeah, none of that shit happened at all. Things were fine. Things were, I mean, yeah, 2000, it wasn't all great. Like 2008, we, you know, like we still had the Afghan war. We still, you know, that was when, that was when we had the recession. But, you know, and also we were still recovering from the stuff that, you know, from the previous president. So there's that too. But ultimately, you know, things seemed okay. Things, things were livable. Things were above normal. Well, things were normal pretty much, at least for me. Um, so, you know, I mostly had a bubble. I lived in a bubble surrounded by like-minded people. You know, all, a lot of them were conservatives and... Here I am, just having doubts about what I was being taught. I never was... I mean, yeah, I, listened, I, can, I got political whenever I heard people talk shit about, you know, politics. But that was really it. I Even then, I just wasn't sure about what I was being told because it just seemed like... even the, There was even stuff I noticed that were flat-out lies about Obama. And I'm like, no, that's not how that went. Or no, that's not accurate. No, he was born. So it just made me doubt a lot of these claims that we're making. Now, it didn't make me immediately stop being conservative that that's for that that was a gradual process for me because there was a lot that i had to learn about what we were protecting that i was just disgusted with i mean what are we trying to protect exactly as conservatives what are we trying to protect oh the system it's our best system i mean for for non-whites it can be for those who you know, know the right people, it can be. But for everyone else, though, they're just fucked. They don't have any concern for them. Because, they, because most conservatives, they are not aware that you know, they're supporting a lot of essentially rhetoric that could be spin into fascism and far-right beliefs. It could easily do that. They, in fact, some of their talking points are very similar to the far-right, except um, they say it a little bit nicer. Um, or at least they, they, what I mean is they try to dog whistle it a little bit easier so that, you know, people won't notice, hmm, it's kind of racist. So, like, let's just say you don't want Muslims in the country, you know, you, or, you know, you're afraid of Hispanics or Hispanic people entering the country. Or, you know, you, you want to promote racism. You just hide it behind anti-immigration policies. Or, you know, let's just say that um, you do not like the fact that the LGBTQ plus community has a lot more prominence and acceptance. Oh no, you just talk up. You just try to bring up pedophiles or try, and try to make it look like that pedophilia is being supported by, um, you know, the LGBTQ plus community. And there's a bunch of other things too. There's several examples, but essentially, I realize, wait, I'm protecting this shit, and I just want nothing to do with it. I mean, over time, I became a. Um, right-leaning libertarian, which isn't really that different from a conservative, especially now, but the difference was um, I was more in support of, you know, hey, um, weed should be legalized. I was fine with that. Um, I never really smoked it back then, but I was fine with it being legalized. I didn't see any harm in it. And, um, you know, I was more okay with people doing whatever they want as long as they don't hurt others. 
So if somebody wanted to be gay, yeah, I was still struggling with my thoughts on, you know, gay people. I mean, I was, I was, I was not just a conservative. I was also a conservative Christian, too. So, yeah, I still was, de I was dealing with a bunch of other stuff, too. You mix religion and you mix uh, religious, uh, following religious dogma to its, to its very literal definition, and yeah, yeah, you definitely struggle with a lot of internal beliefs about, you know, especially if you're being, if, you, if you're told that you have to tell gay people they're going to hell if they don't accept Christianity and they don't denounce their, you know, homosexuality. Um, yeah, I told someone that. I told um, somebody in, uh, somebody new in church who was gay, who was openly gay, which... At least our youth group, at least we had, at least one of the youth groups I was in, at least they didn't try to kick him out, at least they let him in. Though I don't know how they handled his, you know, sexuality, I'm sure they probably, I don't, I don't remember, I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't remember, but still, that is kind of brave, especially during that time period. But, um, yeah, I, I feel, I feel bad about that. I, I still feel terrible about some of the stuff that I told gay people. It wasn't like anything, I, I, I was like, I didn't call them, you know, any names or anything like that. I thought I was being helpful, but, you know, that's the thing. I thought I was being helpful by telling them, you know, God loves you. And, you know, if, if you don't reject this, you know, you're going to fall from his grace forever. And I was wrong about that. I was fucking wrong. And I realized, and, you know, over eventually I realized talking like that is just fucked up. And you're, you're denying people's rights to be themselves because it's, it's who they are, you know. The people's sexuality is who they are, so I, I felt bad about that. Even back then, I was like, "Wait, how can that be?" But you know, that's the thing about uh, conservative. Getting back to conservatives, um, you just feel conflicted, and you're just unsure of what you're being taught. You know, and you just have so many questions and. You know, you meet people who aren't conservatives, and you just wonder, you know what? They're really nice people. Like, uh, this guy's a liberal, but he's cool. You know, um, that he's a good dude. Or, you know, you meet someone who isn't a Christian, and you realize, you know what? They're really nice people. They mean well, and they're not trying to... You know what? I was taught that they were trying to take things away from us, yet they're allowing me to believe what I want to believe. So I, I noticed, like, these guys, like, the people I'm taught as the enemy just are just a lot nicer. And I met a guy who was a Muslim, too, and I, I didn't think that they were all, you know, killers, but I did buy into the whole, oh, you can't tell if they're terrorists or not, despite the fact they were Christian, and clearly we've caused plenty of terrorism our own, on our own. <laughs> um, yeah, so... It's just a process. It's when you think about, when you ask yourself, que yourself questions, when you critically think about your beliefs, which I still critically think about what I believe too. I'm not just blindly accepting whatever I hear in terms of, you know, my political beliefs. I still do a lot of thinking because you know what? I'm not an expert in, these, in anything. I could be easily wrong on all sorts of subjects. You know, it's just... It helps to be open-minded, and one of the big things to, uh, you know, stopping 
essentially not being conservative is just broadening your horizons. When you escape your bubble and you start listening to people who can change your mind just by, you know, bringing up topics and perspectives that you never once considered, then over time you just think, you know what, what I believe is just fucking bullshit. And again, like I said, it's going to be a timely process. You're not going to, I mean, when I read, um, when I read Karl Marx, which actually was fairly recent, like a couple years ago, I didn't immediately become, I, you know, I didn't immediately accept, you know, the fact that I'm a socialist. It was just over time, you, you read it, you're not sure about it. And then, you know, you go from reading the Communist Manifesto, which I honestly would not recommend to, at least for a first time reader, without, without context behind it. And then, you know, you go to other, like Das Kapital, which explains more into his economic beliefs. And, you know, you, you tally what you're seeing in our country, which our country is a mixed economy, so it's very much a mix of capitalism and socialism. So you kind of see, think, if you go by like what Karl Marx said, you kind of see that things are set up for, you know, us to gradually lean towards a more progressive society. Again, that doesn't, again, that's just the thing is, it, I read, I think I read the Communist Manifesto and like, I was deployed. It was, so I want to say, like, 2018, 2019. And I pretty much read um, read the Communist Manifesto, which, like I said, it's more of a... It, it's not... A, it's, a, it's kind of a... Um, best way to describe it is it's pretty much a piece that Marx had to write quickly in order to basically try to get as many of his ideas across. But it's like a, it's like a very brief summary to what he stands for. And that's also where he, you probably find the most, most descriptions on revolutions, which, again, still an interesting read, especially when you tally it with later, reading, later uh, books he read past Das Kapital, because they, they go into a lot of his beliefs, which I think most of them hold up pretty well. Um, anyway, anyway. But yeah, my point is that it took... I didn't become... I didn't identify as a socialist until... Last year, like 2021, after I, months after I got out of the military. So, yeah, it's a timely process. And, it, and you're not going to change your mind immediately after discovering new information. You're going to want to think about, especially when it comes to, you know, beliefs that could affect people's lives. And that's just something you have to consider. And, you know, not just you know, running horizons, read, study, talking with strangers, just traveling too, Tra going outside. When I say like going outside your um, little world, your small hometown, just go out there and explore, you know. And um, because here's the thing, and I don't think I got into this very well. The thing that I need to emphasize is that a lot of conservative paranoia is a result of fear and, you know, fear, misunderstanding, situ you know, what's going on around us and um, thinking these, you know, thinking these beliefs just kind of makes them feel, I guess, safer because it's telling them, hey, it's okay to feel angry and upset, but instead of learning more about it, they're accepting ignorance. Now, I'm not going to say that all conservatives are malicious. That is not true. Um, some of them mean well. Some of them just want to help, but 
they also are unsure. I, I believe they're unsure of what they stand for. Most of them anyway. Um, for like, you know, your average Joe, your average Joe Blow who watches, you know, Fox News and just primarily sticks with conservative media and not much else. It's just an e- it's just easier to believe I would just say it's easier to be a conservative if you aren't interested in learning more about our world. At least in terms of like certain beliefs. Like, yeah, I don't mean like everything, but like like politics or, you know, the economy and history even. You kind of have to be open-minded because if you look at things from your perspective and just your perspective, perspective only, then you can miss out on a lot of context and that's still, you know, the past still affects us to this day. Like, for example, yeah, the civil rights movement has passed, but racism is definitely not over. That was never going to lead to that. But, you know, um, it's just, you, you just have to, you know, make, you just have to, for conservatives, they just have to be more afraid of the world. If they're, if they don't know, and like I said, and I've said this already, but, if um, there, if they do not have a good understanding, if they are not properly educated, there's a chance they could lean towards right wing beliefs, and that also includes like conspiracy theories, like you know, like you know, with QAnon. If you you know, everyone knows what QAnon is, and you know, the like all sorts of weird conspiracy theories that you could easily disprove by looking shit up. You know, it just takes a it, all it takes is like a Google search, and then all of a sudden you you know. Yeah, they're wrong. <laughs> um, there's actually a study that I found pretty interesting. Um, it was actually about... It, it was a Yale... Uh, he, this guy was a uh, person was a Yale psychologist, and he pretty much conducted a simple thought experiment that temporarily turned conservatives into liberals. And the way he did that was... Um, I believe at first what he did was... Um, you, he, um, his, his name is John Barr, Professor John Barr of, um, he's the Yale as of, um, he's the Yale psychology professor. Um, oh, he is one. I don't know how I'm saying it. It's weird. <laughs> um, but social scientists have always known how to turn liberals into conservatives and you just have to scare them. So if, you know, you take somebody who's, you know, again, going back to the, they brainwashed my dad. You take somebody who was never a conservative and never had really right-wing beliefs and then you put him in a situation where he's surrounded by pundits telling him to be fearful of the world. And if he, ha- if he has no context, if he has no defense against these kind of claims, he's going to eventually believe them. And, you know, Fox News telling viewers that, um, you know... The Democrats are coming for your guns, so you should stock up. And you know, the, and especially nowadays, these uh, vaccine mandates are just a way for you know the Biden administration to control you. Like that stuff. That if people don't have context to debunking these kind of claims, then they're just gonna believe whatever they're taught. And lately, especially with the internet, there's just been a lot of misinformation going about. Um, you know, people like Robert W. Malone and Peter McCullough, who. I like to mention specifically because they are actual doctors, but one's a cardiologist, one is actually a virologist who did have a hand, and he didn't. He claims he's the inventor of the mRNA vaccine, but he he's not the sole inventor. There were, he it was a group effort, you know. 
there wasn't a soul adventure. There wasn't a soul adventure, and you could hear that from his colleagues. Um, but anyway, that's another time. The point is, um, when uh, there were a lot of studies that were shown or done that when um, social scientists, when they get liberal leaning experiment subjects to think about you know dying or they feel threatened. Um, some left wingers were adopted, you know, con some more conservative values. A good example of this would be after 9/11. Um, after 9/11, researchers found that there were there was a very strong shift in conservatism in the United States after the attacks, and that was when actually more like think about this: more liberals supported George Bush and favored his, him increasing military spending. But think about this. Would you think about, like Hollywood today, would you think about them being in support of the war? The, like, mo majority Hollywood? No. They would be against it. Back in the day, it was the opposite. And I remember this particularly because you had, like, a lot of, um, yeah, you had a lot of, act like, actors, musicians just supporting the war. And it was kind of funny. It was kind of like the opposite of Vietnam in a way. You had mostly, you know... A lot of most people were promoting the war, or not promoting, <laughs> were protesting the war. Um, you had like we had like a lot of uh, we had a lot of great music from that era actually. And then you take it to nowadays, and the people that tried to protest the war said it was bad were seen as you know traitors and hypocrites. And like the the Dixie Chicks had their careers ruined because they didn't stand for the war, and you know. It was just a different... You just had to be there. It was just a completely different climate back then. Um, and, you know, people tend to embrace political conservatism, uh, most, at least in part, because it redu it, it, it may, it's made to reduce fear, anxiety, you know, to avoid change, disruption, and so forth. It's a way. To, it's just a way to explain order and justify inequality amongst groups and individuals. Now, not all of them are saying that the inequality is a good thing. They're just saying it's a thing that happens, and there's nothing we can do to change the system, or else that order will be that. I guess you could say that hierarchy. You could say will be fucking ruined. Um, but you know, there's still evidence on um, like fear plays out in how you know. People's brains are shaped. Um, researchers have actually taken brain images of people with different political beliefs and found that those who identify as conservative have a larger and more active right amygdalas. I cannot pronounce a lot of these names. I, again, I'm not an expert. <laughs> so pretty much, um, it, it's the area of the brain that's associated with uh, fear. You know, processing and expressing fear, and. Um, there was a 2011 study that looked at MRI scans of, you know, self-described conservative adults and found that they had, they had more gray matter volume in their right amygdala than their liberal counterparts. So that's not saying that all conservatives are, you know, scared, but it is kind of, it, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't be wrong to say the conservatives are generally pretty fearful. Again, just look into what they believe, and you just l listen to Fox News talking points. Listen to what Fox News and, like, conservatives generally talk about. And tell me you don't sense at least a semblance of fear. Um, 
inducing fear could shift a liberal mindset. Um, however, conservatives are generally more difficult to sway in experiments, at least until, um, I think recently, this was, uh, it's actually like, as of 2017, I think, they found a way to um, persuade them to, I guess, reconsider. It, it, again, it's a study, so it is what it is, but it is pretty consistent with what I'm talking about. Um, so the psychology experiment I mentioned to turn, like, I guess try to persuade conservatives into more liberal beliefs. Um, the research behind this experiment, they told a group of participants to imagine that they've been given a superpower by a magic genie and were suddenly as invincible as Superman, you know. And um, they were pretty much told to imagine that they could fly. So then after that, the researchers asked the participants to weigh in on political statements, and to, like such as, you know, whether they'd be reluctant to make any large-scale changes to the social order, and whether it is okay for some groups to have, you know, more of a chance in life than others. And this was, again, a mix of, um, I think it was primarily conservatives and liberals. Um, so the liberals' attitudes on the social issues didn't shift. Um, the conservative participants, they started adopting more liberal views on social issues, though not economic ones. Um, the participants who imagined themselves to fly had no change, and then um, the whole point of this study is that it's actually some of the very first experimental evidence that making people feel safe can change their politics and make them, you know, a little bit more liberal. So... What else is going on with this? Um, so going back to Bart, and he, he wrote a book about it. I think it's, um, what's it called? Um, it's, okay, um, it's Before You Know It, The Unconscious Reasons We Do What We Do. I, I actually haven't read it. I actually want to check it out. Like This sounds like some very interesting shit to read. But, um, so basically, um, this is still a process either way. And again, if you want to persuade someone into not being a conservative, you want to make show them that things are actually safer than they seem to think. Like, don't get me wrong, there's still danger out there, but even if even for things that um you can't control if you have at least an understanding of what's going on, you can at least feel better because you know what's going... You have a better idea of what's going on than those who don't. Um, and just think about this. Think about... Um, in your personal lives, think about a moment that you just became extremely fearful of and... You, and let's just say you, you got some bad news. Let's just say... Um, you got a rental car, right? It, you know, it's, it's being covered by your insurance and then all of a sudden... Uh, you know, you hit a deer. So, you know, you pay your deductible, you get a new rental car, and you're told that, you know, oh, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, you get a, you know, letter later on saying that you owe like three grand to the rental car company, even though you're covered. So, what do most people, how would most people handle that situation? They would, you know, try to figure out what's going on, what, what's happening, you know, try to learn more about the situation, assess the situation, and then... By the time they have an idea what's happening, at least talk to somebody, you know. Feel better, depending on how it goes. Normally, for something like that, you know, that can resolve itself pretty quickly. But imagine that moment you get the letter and you're just immediately fearful because you have no idea what's going on. 
That's a way to explain conservatives. They are fearful for things that they, they do not understand, and mostly nor do they not care to understand. Although I've noticed, you know, some, conserv- some people like to say that um, they're centrists, as in they, they're socially progressive, but economically they're just hard right. And it's just one of those things where, again, um, they're still, they may be accepting of something socially, but they're still fearful of like specific economic ideas that, again, if you read political belief or economic ideas that you never considered, particularly, you know, Karl Marx and Engels, then, or Frederick Engels, then even the bad ones, even, you know, I wouldn't say bad ones. Well, they are bad, though. Even if you read about, even reading about like, you know, Mao Zedong or Joseph Stalin. Yes, for the record, they were very bad people. I'm not... For If anyone says anything, I am not defending them whatsoever. They were tyrants. They were dictators. They were fucking terrible. They didn't represent... Um, they didn't represent communism effective, efficiently because they used a bunch of left-wing rhetoric to promote totalitarianism. But anyway, even learning about that... Again, it helps to study what the enemy thinks, Right? If you don't know how people think, then how can you assess this is what they stand for if you don't have a good description of what they believe? But, um, but you know, it's, um, as, anyway, getting back to Barg's book about, um, essentially, Basically, the seven particularly on, you know, the, stu- the experiment with uh, conservatives and liberals and fear. There's also a, um, he makes an argument that um, there's, a phys- there's a fundamental, fundamental drive for physical safety. Um, and it kind of shows up in a lot of ways, particularly who we vote for. And, there's, and the book suggests that there's a lot of unconscious decisions that, you know, unconscious influences that impact our everyday decisions. Like um, holding a cup of hot coffee can make people friendlier, he does suggest, because of the association between physical warmth and social warmth. You know, stuff like that. So why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because a good, a good way to... And I've said this before, but I, I'll say it again. A good way to emphasize um, people from being less fearful. I don't want to say, I'm not going to say conservative. I'm going to say less fearful in this case is just trying to show them that everything's going to be okay. And, you know, things aren't perfect, but we're still, you know, fucking going out there. We're still, we're still living. And, Conservatism is only as strong as you hold on to it. So if there's, again, I, if, for anyone, if anyone's listening to this and you're a conservative, I highly, I'm not going to tell you to change your opinion because that's not what I want to do. I think not becoming a conservative is a very good thing considering what a lot of conservatives want to support. But again, just self-education. How, does I, how do you go about with that? Especially with the internet, considering that there's a lot of misinformation that if you don't know how to properly disseminate articles and you're just going to believe whatever you're told. Here's one advice I would like to give you. Check the sources. Make sure that the sources themselves are legitimate. 
there are also plenty of websites that are devoted to media bias. So if you see a source that you're not sure about, it helps to look up their accuracy, their, you know, accuracy and even then, sometimes you just have to read the source itself to know that's bullshit. Like, for example, um, someone was trying to argue with me about Robert W. Malone, who, for those who don't know, is a, a and I mentioned him before in this, in this episode, but he's, a, he's an American virologist that gained notoriety for promoting... COVID denialism and particularly anti-vax uh, misinformation or vax, vac, vaccine misinformation. He's basically an anti-vax. He's an anti-vaxxer that is also a virologist. So for a lot of people, they like to cite him as, you know, credible because, ooh, he's a doctor. He knows what he's talking about. And I have to say that the guy that sent me a source defending him, because there's a claim they say that um, six. 16,000 scientists support Robert Malone. And this is like an old one. This is like, he said this stuff like 2020. And he was trying to make the argument that, um, oh, the Democrats, you know, they used to be anti-vax and now they're not. Which is kind of funny because if you look into the numbers, statistically speaking, um, Democrats are more likely to, ex to receive a vaccine than... They're more they're they're more positive towards it than Republicans who have been described as mixed, um. So that I found funny, and then the other part is when I when he tried showing me a, when I tried looking up the source about you know that sixteen thousand doctors are actually supporting him, I found nothing like that or scientists. I saw nothing credible from and at least with CNN, even, even like at the very least, if a news source is just, you know, copy-pasting AP News or some neutral news organization, that's a sign that that's pretty credible as far as, like, consistent reporting is concerned. But, yeah, I couldn't see anything on this. And, like, even, even if his argument is, oh, yeah, well, the Democrats are, you know, well, they were probably anti-vex and now and that was under Trump and now Biden's president, they're all for it. It's like, no, it's... That's an argument. That's a, I've heard that argument before, and it's still inaccurate because people were still saying we should get the vaccine and yeah people I'll, I'll admit people were more scared of the vaccine because they weren't sure about a couple things because this is a unique situation for probably everyone alive for the most part at least in the united states um so you know the vaccines were released it turned out that they were really helpful um i got vaccinated um so i'm good to go on that <laughs> but um you know, I've had, like, very, like, I did catch COVID last Thanksgiving, and I turned out fine. Um, I had very mild symptoms. Um, I didn't have anything crazy. And, you know, vaccines are fine. Like, they haven't hurt anyone. And since the vaccines have been, you know, released for the general public, there have been people who have, been, who have supported it who said, you know what, they're good. They're, they're very helpful. Go get it. And that's what I'm going to say, too. Go get the If you haven't gotten vaccinated and you have a non-medical exception, go get your shots. Come on. Just do it. It's like even if you build up your immunity, it also helps reduce the spread of COVID. So you definitely want to reduce the spread of COVID for a disease that rapidly spreads. So, you know, after seeing the results, I guarantee that even if his argument were the case that, yeah, Democrats were anti-vax, they really aren't, though. They're still supporting it. They're, it's only, like, probably a couple exceptions, but for the most part, they've been very supportive of, you know, people getting vaccinated. 
Now, you could also make the argument that, oh, they're, especially with uh, CDC policy guidelines on, you know, if you catch COVID, wait five days before, you know, being allowed back to work, which doesn't do it. And even the experts are saying that doesn't do it. It has to be, I remember the exact number, probably like, what, a couple weeks or whatever. But still, just, just the fact that um, you could easily disprove these kind of rhetorics. And again, much like Rush Limbaugh, that guy was very confident, at, even when he was wrong. And the, a lot of these conservatives are extremely confident about how, how really confident about how they really don't understand what they're talking about. It's almost like as if they kind of want you to, you know, miscorrect them so you could, in their minds, agree with them before moving on to the next thing. I don't know. I, I can get more into, like, I would like to get into, on a later episode, get into um, how to effectively debunk conservatives. It's really not that difficult, but I can go into, like, personal examples because, well, it, it's kind of, it's, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting process, and ultimately, um, the most important thing is just educate yourself. Just make sure that you, you at least have an idea of what you believe. Be prepared to at least defend what you believe. There's nothing wrong with admitting that you don't know. But just learn as much as you can so that you can make a decision about what you believe. And again, a good way to not become a cons- part of the reason why I didn't, I am no longer conservative is because I listened to people who weren't like me. I read stuff from, you know, different perspectives. I read about, you know, Nazism and, well, Stal- I guess you could say Stalinism. I read about a lot of different things and different perspectives, not just, you know, conservative, but also liberal and even left wing. And, and this just wasn't just immediately, like I said, this was over time. So it's not like I spent all, these, all this time reading. Although as I understood more about the world, I started reading more efficiently. But look, at the end of the day, it's about, look, believe what you want, as long as you're not hurting other people. And if your beliefs are infringing on other people's rights or what they believe, I think you should change them. Really, why, why are you believing what you're believing if you're getting innocent people killed or hurt or you're taking away medical care for them because you just don't like their existence and you want to control what people do? Like, come on, man. What the fuck? Like, even if... Even if you thought that, you know, Muslims were pieces of shit or, you know, trans people are not who they claim they are or who they say they are. Um, just what's wrong with the low respect? And that's the one thing that education does is you also have more respect for people. You know, you're, especially, especially when it comes to people who are like-minded. You know, you just have great respect because you know that they've gone far to make it through. And ultimately, that's, just, that's really what it's about, I think. I think, it, I think our existence should be about Doing good things for good reasons as long as we don't hurt other people. And I cannot stress that enough. It is extremely important to be who you are. Go out there and learn. Go out there and, you know, meet different people. Meet meet strangers who believe different things and just go out there and listen. You don't have to say everything. You just listen. You don't have to even get into political discussions. You could, I would just say, ask questions. Don't feel bad for, you know, asking a question. And just listen, just, um, 
I guess there's a time and place for debate, but just focus more on getting to know these people and seeing how they are as personalities, and then you know, eventually you, you know, you won't be that conservative unless you are just that determined to be one. Which well, I can't help you there. You're probably people are just gonna make fun of you, and um, just be prepared to defend your beliefs. And well, if you can find the sort, if you can find credible sources that back up your claims, okay, now we're on. But, like I said, just be informed of what you're believing, and, well, that's all the time that we have. Um, thank you for listening to the very first episode of The Torgo Show. I think we covered a very important topic. Um, next, the next one should be a good one. Stick around. Please follow me on social media. Please, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. I'm going to have some interesting content your way. I'm not going to say what it is, but I think it'll be pretty cool. But yeah, that being said, take care, and I hope you have a fantastic day. I